you're a season now into this great show. What do you remember even from your first interactions with Ronald Moore, the executive producer, when he when he came to you and wanted to do this show? It just seems that there's so many things that are exciting about this project that you guys haven't really explored with your previous work. Absolutely. Um, I was thrilled when we first started talking about it. And actually, the sweet spot of my knowledge base was music of the Jacobite Uprising. Yeah. And he kind of paused and he said, wait, you know what a Jacobite is? And we kind of laughed because he's been, you know, as he's been p- pitching the show and getting the studio and the network on on board, he had said, you know, he had explained what the Jacobite uprising was about a hundred times, and that I was the first person he had encountered that said, oh, yeah, I know all about that, totally. <laughs> so I, you know, I do all these songs, and I, I what I loved about, and I still love about the songs is the way that the, first of all, musically they're gorgeous, beautiful harmonies and beautiful melodies, but lyrically they had to hide their meanings. Yeah. They have these very clever lyrics where the true meaning is just below the surface, and if you know the context, its message is crystal clear, but on the surface uh, it's not. So I was, I, I'd always just loved that, and I loved these songs, and uh, it became clear in, in chatting with me, I think, that there would be a lot of not only knowledge, but passion for this material that I that I would bring to the table and I sent him a recording of a few Scottish folk songs that I had just recorded on accordion for fun. I had done it years ago. And he wrote back and he said, I really love this particular one, this Sky Boat song. I think that could be our main title. And then I said, Oh, I guess I'm working on Outlander now. Yeah. You do a great job of, of of kind of tracking your process on your on your website on your blog, and I love just re- going back even to one of your early posts of just talking about kind of this. You said Outlander fans guide to my music, and, and in a way, it's kind of like you want to have a chance to say a few things before the fans can jump in. I mean, what what when when you remember back when you were starting the series and you're kind of in a very you know pre-production stage, just trying to just figure out what this what the music is going to be like how, how does that in your mind how did it turn out um in terms of kind of kind of fulfilling your own needs and then maybe you know the um ronald and and the fans what's been the reaction well it's an interesting process because at the time i wrote the blog entry you're referencing yeah i had not yet finished the season i had just started but i had i had written enough of the score that obviously I knew what it was going to sound like and the fans did not. And what's interesting about Outlander is that unlike other shows that I've done, the fan base came built in. Yeah. Now, I've worked on some shows that have pretty aggressive fan bases. Very passionate, (laughs) very vocal. Right. But None of them started the way Outlander started. They all were fan bases that built up over time. Um, it's easy to forget that Battlestar Galactica, when it first came out as a miniseries, the fans were actually not on our side. Uh, it, was a, it was, at the time, a very controversial thing to do, to, to take a property like that and reimagine it in, a, in such a different way. And we actually had to win the fans over, and it took years. With Outlander... Uh, with Diana Gavaldon's blessing, I think the fans very quickly recognized that what Ron and the other show 
uh, creators were doing was loyal to the source material. And what that meant was, I think it translated for me into faith from the fans. And I felt that. I felt support from them. I felt going into it that they believed that I would bring passion to this and I would take it seriously and I would make music that is hopefully worthy of the project that they love so much. And that was one of the reasons I wrote that blog entry is I thought I want to, I want to just let the fans know where I'm coming from and what my experience is leading up to this so that we can go on this journey together. Because truly there are Outlander fans that have been so for 20 years and I'm stepping into this world that, that they know better than I do. And so it's been a steep learning curve for me just to get up to speed on Outlander as a, as a, as a fictional universe. Um, and taking all that experience and putting it into a musical experience that the fans can experience, uh, a musical journey. And it's, it's been great. It's been a really fun experience. A little different than anything else I've ever done. Yeah, I mean... Um... What was the process for you, just educating yourself when it came to the, you know, the Scottish, the Scottish instrumentation and folk music? When you got to the the stage to record this, did you go back to the players that you've used in the past, or did you have to find new players that could kind of uh, show it? No, I, I, this is, I was so ready for this. Yeah. I mean, I knew everybody, I knew everybody that I was going to work with, and they were all people that I worked with before. Uh, on on various projects that need um, folk sounds and Scottish sounds. So that part was great. It was like putting the band back together on a project that actually necessitated putting the folk music right front and center. You know, other projects I've done, like Black Sails, for example, has a strong folk influence, but it's underneath other other elements. So Battlestar Galactica is another great example. Um, and uh, so really, I got to hit the ground running as far as all that stuff goes, because I knew, really, let me, let me put it this way. The process of writing for Outlander was one of unleashing all of the instincts that I've spent 10 years restraining on other projects. Most people don't want overtly lyrical, romantic music. Right. Um, they You know what I mean? Yeah. They, yeah. They, they kind of do, but they also want a modern edge. They want to be cool, which is cool. I love being cool. <laughs> but uh, Outlander, and it's risky. If you tell a composer, I want this to be romantic, we all know how that can go back. We all know how that can be too much. So Ron trusted me and put his faith in me. And, and there were even discussions about, should we, you know, is it okay to use bagpipes? And I said, you're going to like it. Trust me. I know, I know how to use them in a way that will be effective. Um, and so when I got Outlander, I got to just take all the restraints off because I normally try to bring in some of those influences, but then make them modern and cool and use them. And with Outlander, I got to kind of unleash a little bit. And that was, um, a very different feeling. It was wonderful. I've never had a project like it. Yeah. Uh, going into this first season, which ended up being 14 episodes, um, what can you say just about working on a, uh, an episode that is an hour long and, you know, what can you say just about the spotting process? H how do you approach an episode? I mean, uh, story calls to certain things that, you know, kind of evoke music, but uh, how did you want to approach spotting the episodes? Well, it's interesting um, because spotting is the most vital 
experience you have to understand what the producer wants, what they expect, what their insecurities are, what they're secure about. You really get a lot of information from talking with them in that environment. Um, So first episodes, last episodes, these are places where I I cannot score it without spot. Yeah. Um, One of the interesting things about working with Ron is that uh, we don't always spot every episode. Um, We came to Outlander with a long-standing creative relationship in place from Battlestar Galactica. And in many ways, Outlander picked up where Battlestar left off. So we both had a a lot of trust in each other, even right from the get-go. I think he knew that I would be restrained where I needed to be restrained and I could be emotional where I need to be emotional. And I knew that he would be able to give me feedback and direction and creative input that would help me and that I wouldn't be just in a vacuum not knowing what I'm doing. So I'm free to experiment, maybe trying something that won't work, knowing that he's going to work with me until we get it there. And that's vital for a composer. You have to be in an environment where you feel free to try something that may fail. Yeah. Because if you don't feel the courage to or the comfort in being able to try something that doesn't work, you're not going to push yourself out of your comfort zone. So that was great. You know, spotting, sometimes we would, we would uh, spot over the phone or I would see an episode and, and we would just chat about it for a couple of minutes and I, we'd talk about the characters and the stories, but we wouldn't necessarily go through it scene by scene. And, uh, and I would write a score that I'm happy with, and Ron would hear the demos and the yeah. final mixes, and he'd be happy. So, so it's good. It's a very good relationship. What's the mixture of, um, in terms of when you start writing, of before you get to the stage? And, and are, are you guys doing this back-to-back? What, what's kind of the production workflow for you when, when you guys are ready to record? One of the things that I love about working on premium cable is that the schedule is a little different than network. So on Outlander, for example... I can have up to sometimes a month or more Mm. to do an episode. Now, obviously, I don't have only one episode to do in that month, but I'll get an episode early enough that I can start writing it well before we need to record it, and then I'll take a second episode and a third episode. And I tend to record and produce them in batches so that when you have that kind of time, you can get in front of an orchestra and record music for two or three episodes at once. You can get the band together and tackle the series more like a collection of movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll tackle them in three-hour bites. Okay. Um, and that, that's cool because it, in, in terms of production, it saves time. And when you save time, that's more time I can spend writing and being creative, um, which is kind of vital in television. That's the balancing act, especially because all the television series I do have live orchestras in them. So the time you spend producing the music is a factor. Um, it's not just how do you get it all written. It's how do you get it all written and get it produced and mixed and you conduct it and it gets orchestrated and there's a lot of moving parts. Um, so having, a, having more time on a, on a show like Outlander is the way that I can make the music sound and as good as it does and be as effective as it is. That's great. Well, what can you say in terms of when you're doing your sketches and trying to come up with themes and melodies what do you find that's different about this type of music in terms of not only the instrumentation, but just the styles and, and, and the themes that, you know, are kind of ingrained in this type of music? First of all, where do you start to write? Is it a, is it paper and pen or are you on a computer in a box? I work, I sketch best 
at the computer. I okay. sketch very quickly. Um, so I, I spend a lot of time writing scenes in a narrative, well, not a narrative vacuum, but I'm not scoring a scene. I'm trying to write a scene that feels like the characters, that feels like it'll fit. And sometimes that process takes up a disproportionate amount of time. Right. Um, meaning it's more important to get the theme right and then write the score quickly. But I'm writing it quickly with all the right tools in place. That's more important to me than going, oh my God, I'm running out of time and panicking and just diving in and writing and seeing what happens. Um, so in the case of Outlander, it's a little, it's different in that the themes are written in the language of Scottish folk music, which is very melodic. Yep. Um, there are certain aspects to the music that I, uh, that I like to draw from, certain scales, modes, um, rhythmic figures, and harmonic patterns. So I try to write my original themes in such a way that they feel like Scottish folk tunes. But ultimately, Outlander is no different than any other show that I take on because I always write thematically. And I always try to write a theme that, or a series of themes, that is malleable. I think of a theme like a seed that needs to grow. And I don't always know where it's going to grow. So I need to write in such a way that this is what I know the theme's going to need to do for season one. Uh, and season two, I may need the theme to do something different. And who knows? Who knows where this is going to go? This show could last for a long time. And so I like to write a theme that has certain musical components to it that allow me to adapt it and change it. And it's got to be malleable. It's got to be flexible. If a theme isn't flexible, it's like a dancer that isn't flexible. It just, it just doesn't work. Yeah. You know, what have you found in terms of, you know, some of the shows that you had multiple seasons? Do you have the perspective to kind of look back and say and see things you want to change? Or are you locked into kind of the, what you committed to from the first season, you know, um, stylistically? You know, I my uh, it's an interesting question. And most of the time I find that when I've written something like that, it's flexible. So even if there is a unexpected change in character for example i'll tell you marvel's agents of shield one of our main characters in the first season i won't spoil it turns out to not be what you think he is and interestingly i did not know that oh, okay when i scored the first half of the season so i was as shocked as you guys were when that happened and it was interesting because i I hadn't written him a theme. Oops, I just spoiled it to him. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't written a theme for that character in particular, but I had written a lot of music associated with him. And in that regard, I was actually glad that I didn't know because I had the purely innocent experience of thinking this character is a hero and then things change. So I wouldn't go back and change that. Um, I, 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 I don't like to go back and think about going back and changing things because everything I wrote uh, in my life was, was a product of who I was at that time. Um, there are certainly places where I think, oh man, back in season one, I wish I had established a theme for this person because now they're a big deal. Um, and, you know, ultimately, ultimately my job is to make sure that you are experiencing the narrative in the most effective way possible. So it's easy to lose track of that and get get sucked into like cool themes and evolving textures and evolving big picture ideas. But ultimately 
what matters the most is your experience watching that episode. And I even think about it on a microscopic level. It's experience watching that scene. It's your experience watching that cut, that look that the actor gives. I, I'm doing everything I can to make every one of those small moments as effective as I can. And then the more you zoom out and realize like there's an architecture to the whole show or the whole series, that's great. So ultimately, if I, something new comes along and I have to throw out everything I've done and go, you know what, i got to write a new theme for this character because this thing, things are so different, they're getting a new theme, and I'm just going to do that I, I, because it serves the show better to do it, and it would only serve my ego to preserve the theme that I had written back before. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. So I, yeah. I always try to keep that perspective on it. And, and just a few more questions for you, Bear, but um, lastly, what can you say just in terms of your involvement, not only with you know, um, the sound team, but the editorial team, how much collaboration are you able to have with these guys um, to kind of choreograph scenes and moments? Um, I have a, a very close collaboration with, with everybody on the show, but most importantly, the, the producers and the editors. Okay. Uh, editors, I find, make a lot of decisions um, without even realizing they're, they're making musical decisions. They... Uh, the way they cut a scene inherently gives a sense of pacing and a sense of tempo. And I get a lot of information from them, the way they cut, where they choose to cut. You know, they're showing me what they think the scene is about. I mean, for example, to step back a little philosophically, sure. the way a writer writes a scene, the way they use the words, the way they decide to put in direction, they visually make a scene look a certain way on the page that tells you what's important. And an actor reads that and interprets it. The director reads that and interprets it. Those shifts happen, you know, something, the actor will do something on the important beats. The director will help guide them through that scene, highlighting what they think is important. Then the editor will look at it and go, this is what's important. And they cut it in a way, highlighting, and, and, and there's a direct line all the way back to the page. So when it comes to me, now I've had, when done well, experts in all of their fields look at this scene and do what they need to do to tell you what's important. And I find I look at it and sometimes the answer is so obvious because everyone's done their job so well. Well, clearly this moment we're going to highlight something and this moment we're going to shift. And they, you know, I'm the last line. I'm the last person in their field who's going to look at the scene and go, this is what's important and this is how my contribution will help tell the story. And what I love about the whole process is all these experts putting their, their skill to that scene and then you watch it and it just feels like a thing that's happening that's real. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. Just, all of that work disappears. It just disappears. And what you have is a story. That's great. Uh, last question for you, Bears. You know, if, when you were first getting started, what would you say to yourself, you could tell yourself back then when you first started, or even you know, for, for those folks that are getting into th this type of work, of looking to, to TV music composition? Well, there are different answers, because obviously I've been very fortunate in my career, and while there's a lot I wish I could go back and tell myself, what I would go tell myself is mostly things like, you're doing the right things, you're making the right decisions, just unwind a little bit and have patience with yourself. You're on the right path. Okay. Because obviously I look around at my career and while there's still a lot of things I want to do, I'm, I've been on a very good path. Yeah. So 
that's the advice I would give myself because I was and probably still am very driven, very focused, very competitive, very type A. That's just been my life. Yeah. And, and, you know, I probably could have stopped to smell the roses once or twice and it would have been fine. Yeah. The advice I would give to other people that are thinking about pursuing a career in music is to just be passionate about it and always be writing music. The looks, the quest for a job should be inconsequential. If you can find someone who wants you to write music, whether or not they have a budget or anything, if it's a chance for you to write music, you should do it. And if you don't, you should be writing music anyway because you love it so much that you can't stop doing it. And if that's not you, then you might want to consider pursuing another career and keeping music your passion and hobby, your, your thing you do for fun. But ultimately, I think the people that succeed are the people that are so driven and motivated that they're constantly writing music, and it doesn't matter uh, whether it's a job. I mean, that's, that was my experience. Okay. I was in college. I did, I did 30 or 40 student films. I did concerts. I wrote music on my own. I just wrote, I did nothing but write music all the time. And then at a certain point, suddenly someone had a little budget. And I was like, oh my God, that's great. <laughs> and then I landed Battlestar Galactica <laughs> right. and I called all the people that have been helping me, my friends, my, my producing partner. And I said, hey guys, we're going to be doing another thing. Um, but this time I can actually pay you for the first time. Right, yeah, yeah. But it was no different. Doing Battlestar Galactica was no different than doing my student films. I knew I had my team in place. I didn't even, I didn't even realize the team I was building. That's my point. Like when the jobs came, I suddenly realized I had the infrastructure in place already. Um, and I think a lot of people get obsessed with that. It's like, what kind of gear should I have? And what should I have an agent? And, and this is all stuff that just kind of happened. Like I didn't think about any of that stuff. It just happened. What, what, what happened first was I was just doing whatever I could to write music all the time. That's great, Bear. Well, thank you so much for the time, and obviously, congratulations on even the soundtrack, which is now available. If they want to find out more, they can go to your website, I guess, bearmercury.com. Anywhere else people should go to check what you're up to? Definitely check out my, my website, uh, bearmercury.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I would also highly recommend checking out my YouTube channel, where I have tons of behind-the-scenes videos of my process, um, the players, um, interviews with showrunners and actors. It's, I think when I was a kid, if, if <laughs> composers were doing that stuff, like if I could have seen how a composer worked, the soundtrack geek in me would have exploded. Right. So I think it's actually, it, it, it's a fun place to start. And, and of course, all that, you can you can access all that stuff in my website. But yeah, I definitely, definitely check those things out. Cool. Well, thank you, Bear. It was so much fun. And uh, I look forward to listening to more of your music in the future. So thanks so much for uh, doing what you do because... It's, it's inspiring, and I think a lot of people are paying attention, obviously, and it's, it's great to see you continue to uh, do what you do so well. Awesome.